Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Well, welcome everyone to another episode in our brand new series, The Sexual Gospel. I cannot wait to introduce my guest to you today. Uh, We are about to embark on a multifaceted collection that I know you are going to get so much out of. So we've actually done this with our guest, my friend, for the last couple of years in the Youth Alive Academy. And it literally is one of the most asked for topics that sparks the most interest, um, not just from the students, but actually from the Academy directors. Um, And I've realized from this how much this series is needed. In fact, I had people last time my guests came to the Academy say, please, Renee, can you turn this into a series? This needs to go out to everyone. So this series is kind of twofold. It's for you personally, but for you as a leader. So, um, you know, on a personal level, if we don't help young people shape their worldview on sex from a biblical perspective, then the world will shape it for them. And no matter whether you're married or single, the gospel perspective on sex is something today that is going to be so enlightening for all of you. Uh, Parents, if there are parents listening, I promise you this is going to give you some serious tools to better communicate about sex to your teens, uh, perhaps even younger. I think it's a conversation we need to be having um, even when children are younger, but age appropriate. Um, And as many books have been written on the topic, a lot of youth pastors and leaders are still at a loss for how to effectively teach this topic to young people. So we're going to um, give you a lot of tools over these next few episodes, but I just want to introduce my good friend to you, first of all. Um, This is Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Hey. <laughs> now, Nikki lives in literally the best part of the world, Byron Bay. Yes, the slice of paradise where I suffer for Jesus. <laughs> you literally do. Where Chris Hemsworth lives and Matt Damon pops in. And Nikki regularly goes surfing. Every day, yes. Every day. So when you spoke at the Academy a few weeks ago, you came in with this windswept, wet hair and you're like, I've just been surfing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I had. And I chopped all my hair off. Did you notice? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. You look beautiful. (laughs) Wish I could come out of the beach looking like that. I looked more like a drowned rat. (laughs) No, salt water covers a multitude of things. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't help me. (laughs) So, Nikki, tell us a bit about yourself. You're married. You've got three delicious daughters. Just tell tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. Well, yes, I am married to the, I call him the Lamb of God because he's just the the nicest, most amazing man ever, Um, a man named Paul. And I'm 30 and I have three beautiful daughters so two and a half um five and seven I always have to stop and try and remember the ages now yeah yeah (laughs) believe me three you're like oh what are my kids names again (laughs) and so yeah and we live in Byron Bay we are um ordained pastors in our church we're not the senior pastors we're on the um, pastoral team in our church in Byron Bay and uh, we just handed over the reins for youth ministry. We ran youth ministry for 10 years. Yeah. Our current youth pastor is doing the Youth Alive Academy. She is. And she's loving it. She's getting trained up. 
So, yeah. Yeah. To say about myself. And Nikki um, actually ran one of the academies last year uh, in Byron Bay. I wanted to come and join that one because Byron Bay is literally my favorite place. Um, and we just happened to stumble across doing this topic. And all of the academy directors were literally gobsmacked after Nikki talked about this topic because I've been in ministry, youth ministry, for like 20-plus years and I still have never heard anybody teach on this like you do because, as everyone knows, one thing I'm passionate about is um, presenting a Christian worldview but in such a way that it just makes sense to people even if you are not someone who believes in God. Um, there is so much wisdom in the Bible and I love unpacking why living by biblical standards is the best thing for us. So today, episode one, it's called What is the Sexual Gospel? Because even that title, the sexual gospel is like, what? Those two words (laughs) did not go together. So Nikki, can you start by telling us why and how did you become so interested in talking about sex for goodness sake? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the sexual gospel. Well, gospel just means good news. So we're really saying the sexual good news. Awesome. Good news about sex. Um, and I guess, well, like I said, I've run youth ministry for 10 years and we have done the sex and relationship and dating series um, many times over those 10 years. We usually do it for a whole term. And, um, and I leave a little question box for kids to, or young people to anonymously put their questions in throughout the term and, and it's always full. And mm. it, it became so clear to me like immediately um, how this was such a void in our culture. Like our culture does not have the answers um, to, to this stuff, to, to, to sex and dating and relationships in in a way that causes them to flourish and and succeed you Mm. know and have victory and so much of like the brokenness I've seen in teenagers was a result of sexual brokenness and relational brokenness and it was the main thing and so I became really passionate about um well, I, became, I began to research and read books and to, to provide an answer for them and I became a little unsatisfied with a lot of the books that I read. So I began to create uh, resources myself mm. yeah. and, um, and borrow from a lot of resources. You know, there, mm. there is some amazing stuff out there. Mm. Um, I, I guess it's a, it's a real point of passion for me as well as, as you know a bit of my story. Mm. Before I got married, I've been married for eight years now, going on nine. And um, so I got married quite young at 22. Um, but I only ever had one boyfriend before my now husband. And, you know, it was a really toxic relationship and it went for like three years. And there was just emotional toxicity and I crossed sexual boundaries and I was a Christian and I was actually raised in a Christian family, but nobody told me, nobody taught me, nobody spoke about this stuff. And so I literally just stumbled my way into a toxic relationship with no direction, no wisdom, no standards, and actually wanted to do the right thing and obey God. And I, and I didn't actually know how I had nothing to grip my hands onto yeah and so so the pain of that drove me to that purpose you could say 
and I so I Jesus you know I met the Lord I'm a Christian and um he really restored me where I was at he he healed me and that's my testimony and so after he sort of stopped me in my tracks I I didn't date after that relationship ended I didn't date and I became friends with Paul who is my now husband and you know I, I was radically transformed by the Lord. I went through this radical transformation and so did my husband separately, not with me, but he had a similar experience to me in his teenage years. And we just got totally healed. And then we did it God's way because we tried to do it the world's way. Right. It really sucked, just really sucked. And then we did it God's way. And, and I can just testify. Mm. It's just been nothing but a joy from the beginning. And like our first kiss was at the wedding altar. Whoa. <laughs> That's intense. We just held hands. That might and make me want to, because I remember oh, having, yeah. I remember having a boyfriend before Cameron and it was when he kissed me that I was like, I'm out. I was <gasps> like, this is like my brother. Oh, heck no. <laughs> So, and so, yeah, I was like... You'd be in trouble if you felt like your brother at the altar. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> there are other ways to create intimacy, people. But, uh, but yeah, it's more like full on grabbed my face and patched me at the altar. It's hilarious if you watch the wedding video. It's like he was just waiting for it. Um, but no, I'm not making that a stand yeah, for people. Yeah, but so for you with your story. I'm testifying, yeah. yeah. It was something that we wanted to do. We are like, no, let's wait till our wedding mm. day because we already had the self control you know and um so we've experienced both sides to this story I guess is what I'm saying and we've experienced the pain and we've experienced the, mm. the blessing the purpose like where God's commandments become promises in your life yeah and so we're both really passionate about seeing people's love story reflect the greatest love story I love that yeah yeah and I think that's what's powerful about you being the one to teach on this, Nikki, is because you've experienced both sides of the coin. You've experienced doing things the world's way and you've experienced doing things God's way. And you can't beat someone's story, testimony like that. And the best part about that is that you could never listen to me and think you're being judged or condemned. Yeah. I have no place. Right judge or condemn someone because I've already walked the path that I'm talking about so all yeah. I'm doing is saying hey I walked down this road and I, I tripped a lot of times mm. and then Jesus showed me a really wonderful path to walk down which which mm. you can walk down to if you want and I'm not saying you have to mm. but but you can and it's available to you if you'd like and so there's definitely no space here for me to be in like judgment over anyone it's literally not possible when you've walked that path yourself yeah. and you just get really excited when you've found a really great way to do something and you just go I would love you to have this kind of freedom too you know totally and now that you've got three girls you know which way you would rather them go and that says a lot totally absolutely once you become a mother you're like you realize um what you really value you know and you carry your heart around in three little people <laughs> yeah yeah you really do they say absolutely your yeah. heart is outside of your body when you mm -hmm. have kids walking around it's so true yeah. so can you just talk to us about what you mean by the sexual gospel I know um, when we were chatting at academy you were talking about how you know it's sex is not a, a dirty word and um mm -hmm. 
that we're not borrowing the idea from the world, it's actually the other way around? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we do think that those words sound weird together, but it's not. And I'll go into that, but I guess I I will start by reading a scripture and from the Bible since this podcast is about a biblical standard. So obviously we are using the Bible, which is our our wisdom and our truth to to sort of be our lenses through which we look at relationships. And so, um, and this was a real foundational scripture for myself in terms of relationships and sexuality. And it says this in the message. It says, you know, so this is my prayer that your love will flourish that your love will flourish we all want that Um, and that you will not only love much but love well okay we have a lot of people who love much but they don't love well yeah (laughs) myself included and um it says learn to love appropriately um you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent not sentimental gush Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life that Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all and getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. And so, so you know, the way, the way I conduct myself and do relationship and handle my sexuality is going to either you know, glorify Jesus or not. And, and we're called to use our head and test our feelings so that love can actually be sincere and intelligent love and not just like uh, inappropriate love, I guess is what the Bible calls it. And so let's have a love story. Like I said, that points to his love story, which I, I think is having a love story that's filled with honor and commitment and faithfulness and self-control and patience and joy. And so sex is not a dirty word. I think that's what you brought up, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Sex is not mm-hmm. Yes, totally. And, you know, the church can be silent about it uh, because um, there is this this culture that says that sex is dirty and it's shameful and we should sort of hide from it, which is actually um, the opposite of the truth. Sex is a crucial part of our lives. It's a really important part of our lives. And, and um, you know, anything that the church is silent on and doesn't speak truth around the enemy really has a field day with, mm. absolutely. And, you know, that has happened in our culture. And anything good God creates. And we have to remember everything God creates is good. Look at the creation of the world in Genesis 1. Let there be light. It was good. Then it was day and it was good. Everything God creates, it is good. But then what the enemy is going to do is going to present a perverted version of what God creates and try and offer that up to us. And so God creates sex, which is good. It's not dirty. It's good. It's pure. It's wonderful. It's a gift. And then so the enemy is going to present a perverted version of that good thing. And so he presents to us one night stands and sex outside of marriage and what the Bible calls fornication and and what leads to pornography and human sex trafficking and prostitution and and even human sex trafficking and is the dehumanization of young girls and boys and women. You know, we mm. we take the humanity out of sex. The, yeah. That's the perverted version, the bestiality, all these things. Yeah. And so what I guess this podcast is about is don't go for the scraps. Don't go yeah. for the perverted version of sex. Go for the original pure idea. Mm. And, and we believe from our Christian worldview that the original idea 
is God's idea, God's mm. ideal of sex. And so the question becomes, what's God's ideal for sex, right? Yeah. So like you said, I think you mentioned, we're not borrowing this idea of sex and relationships from the world and then we're trying to Christianize it and we're trying to purify it. Yeah. No, no. We believe that God created the idea of sex. The very first thing he told humanity to do in Genesis 1 was to be fruitful and multiply, okay? So he told us to have sex. It was the first thing. He's not embarrassed by it. He's not a prude, okay? <laughs> and so he came up with the idea of sex and yep. he came up with the idea of relationship mm. because he is relationship. He's mm. the trinity. He's three in one. He mm. is his own community, which is a mind bend for all of us. But then he created us, men and women, in that image. And so the fact that Christian or non-Christian, everyone's made in his image. Yeah. If we have breath in our lungs today, we're made in the image of God. That's right. We have intrinsic value. We don't, when we don't come from atoms and we don't come from monkeys. We're not an accident. We are created by a person which ascribes us the highest value possible. Okay, and so we're created in the image of God. And the fact that we're created in his image means that we're actually designed and have the capacity to do relationship really well, because that's what makes us a godly creature. It's actually what separates us from the animals. And we've so many people turn animalistic about sex and relationships, operate on instinct alone, right. treating like objects but no we're godly creatures and yeah. that requires relationship so I love what you've established right there is that sex was created by God one of the first commandments was to go forth be fruitful and multiply aka go have sex but when yeah. the world when the world takes something I think you've spelt that out so well it's perverted it in so many ways like you were listing them off before human trafficking prostitution, pornography, um, all of those things are the way that the, the world has taken those things or that we would say in Christian world, you know, the enemy has taken those things and completely perverted something and then presented it back to our young people like, well, this is the normal way to live. Mm -hmm. The normal way to live is just to, you know, one night, you, you mentioned one night stands and all of that is outside of the way that God told us to live. And you see the fruit. I'm always about what's the fruit of something. And when the fruit, when you put sex in the world's hands, is all of those other, <clears throat> all of those other things, it's like, man, that's scary. Yeah, and then we're wondering why there's millions and millions of sex slaves across the world today. And, and it's because we've reduced sex to an animalistic thing. We mm. have taken the commitment and the humaneness out of it. And this is a... This is talking about the extremities, okay? I'm not mm. saying every single person does this. No. But that's the fruit of it. You get the dehumanisation of people into objects. And when people become a sexual object, you can trade them and as slaves. You can sell them as slaves. And that's why we have that. Mm. Even, you know, things like abortion, people have debates over it. And it actually becomes a redundant point if you if sex is just within marriage on on the whole yeah it's like it, it wouldn't actually be up for discussion yeah if we had sex within within marriage and you know it's a lot of those things mm. you wouldn't even we wouldn't even have to discuss you know yeah if sex is within that context of committed loyal lay your life down forever kind of relationship which is what we're talking about 
um, today. So we're not purifying a worldly idea and trying to make it unshameful or trying mm-hmm. to make it Christian. We're actually taking God's idea from the beginning of a time itself. And then we're figuring out how to apply it to this generation and in this culture and, mm. and how to do that today. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. And, and, you know, I always say when it comes to relationships, so sex, yes, and but also just relationships in general, it's like going back to the manufacturer. I love <laughs> this analogy. It's the best. <laughs> People who have ever put together IKEA furniture will <laughs> like this analogy or relate to it. So there's probably heaps of 13-year-olds like, I've never done that. But, like, if you've ever. You don't ever want to. If you've ever gone to Ikea and bought a piece of furniture and then gone home and tried to put it together, it's it's probably given you an aneurysm. Like it's so frustrating. <laughs> As you know, Renee, we've both lamented over this. <laughs> like I just walk away. I just walk out yeah, of the room. I can't, away. <laughs> can't do it. Really, it's so complex and there's a million nuts and bolts and I swear there's too many screws then it's in like needed for the thing and there's these complicated instructions but they're in Swedish and it's ridiculous and I remember it took Paul my husband four hours to put one set of drawers together when we first got married and I used this um analogy to say you know when you're doing this and when you're getting frustrated putting together this piece of furniture you just wish you could talk to the manufacturer take it back to Ikea and note the guy who or the girl who designed it and go look what were you thinking? How do I do this? And can you help me? Can you help me put this together? And the good news is when it comes to sex and relationships, you can't do this with IKEA furniture, okay? But when it comes to relationships, we can actually go back to the manufacturer. We can go back to the original architect and designer of relationships, which is God himself. He is relationship. And then he made us in relationship with him. We can actually say, like, how do you do this, God? How do you do it your way? Because you designed it. And the designer always knows the best way to put something together. That's right. Which bit fits with which bit, and they know how to put it together. And so we've got to go back to God and say, how do we do this? You know how this works. You've got the vision. You've got the design. And that's when it comes to relationships, so many of us, um, so particularly Christians, we're, we're trying to put something together and build something without going back to the person who designed it Yeah. And, and then wondering why it's not working for us and why stuff isn't fitting. Yeah. And so I guess that's what we're encouraging young people listening today um, to go back to the manufacturer, go back to God and say, Jesus, you know, what were you thinking? How do I do this? How do I do this your way? And the beautiful thing is, is he will help us. That's what he says he will do. He will Mm. help us do it his way. Mm. Because when we do it his way, it actually glorifies him. Yeah. And it images him and it reflects him to the rest of the world. Can I throw something at you that I haven't warned you that I was going to throw at you? So hopefully you'll be able to, I know you'll shed some Nikki wisdom on it. But I'm seeing a lot of young adults deconstructing their faith and one of their reasonings is I gave control of myself and my body to something outside of myself being God Um, and I don't know if you've kind of heard that but I was even reading some stuff this morning where somebody was like you know blaming the church and I've been told to live this certain way and um, you know I want to take back the power 
what would you say to a young adult who perhaps has grown up in church and knows the Bible, but, you know, is, is on the verge of deconstructing their faith and not wanting to be told, like thinking purity culture is toxic and being told what to do is toxic. What would you say? I would say that what you're talking about is not following the Lord. What you're talking about is behavior modification. And Jesus never said, I'm going to modify your behavior. He said, I'm going to transform your mind. Wow. And so he said, I'm going to see the thing about Jesus is that he doesn't, he doesn't change our personality. He fulfills our personhood. We become the best version of ourselves in Jesus. He doesn't try to change who we are. He doesn't try to change what we're good at, what we're bad at, what our personality and our temperament is. No, no, he, he designed us. And if we're living outside of his leadership in our lives, we're actually an echo of what we truly could be and a life that is surrendered to the one who made it, which is Jesus, actually begins to be fulfilled and produce the very best version of itself. When I returned to the Lord from my season of backsliding, the first thing I said was, I just feel like me, like the meest I've ever been. (laughs) The meest I've ever been. (laughs) And it's inexplicable, but it's like the real you shows up. Because, so he, he's not trying to change you. He's trying to bring forth the real you. Mm. And when we, when we sin, which is missing the mark, we're not being the real us. And right. God doesn't tell us to do anything that is not going to cause us to be blessed and to flourish. Right. And so I think we say God's commands yeah. are to restrict us. No, no, they're actually God's promises yeah. to give us freedom. That's good. And and we'll talk about boundaries on this podcast. Yeah, we've got some great episodes coming up. Um, so my story is the opposite to yours in that I grew up, you know, in a in a Christian. I did grow up in a Christian home. My parents divorced, etc. But I did wait until I was married, and now I've been married for twenty two years. And so I, in my life, I've seen the fruit of doing it God's way. And for the same reason that you want your girls to be doing things God's way because you've seen both sides and I've Mm -hmm. seen the complete benefit of living God's way. I've got a great marriage. Um, I think, did you have some statistics I remember you sharing at the Academy about, um, I'm just trying to think if I wrote About marriage and divorce rates and things like that. Yeah, you had some really full-on statistics. Do you remember? Yes, I do. And, but, so why don't I, because that, that's in the context of um, talking about hormones and things. Like okay, that. so that's next episode. Um, it might not be next episode, but Ooh, you, know, you have to wait I just for it. First, go into um, really what what sex is and what sexuality is, and and the, yeah. you know, and the first command that God gives us, because I think that provides a little bit of context for what we're going to talk about and and those kind of statistics. And so, so you know, we'll go right back to the very first command God gave humanity, which was to have sex, as you said, to be fruitful and multiply, okay? And, you know, it's very amusing when people think that God doesn't approve of sex when it's literally the first thing he tells us to do. So, like, literally the first. So in Genesis 1.28, it says God blessed them. Mm. He blessed them and said, have sex, be fruitful and multiply. And so, you know, there's only one way to multiply people. 
And that is a great way. It's a really great way, you know. He could have made it an unenjoyable experience and he didn't. He made it a great experience and, and an intimate experience. And, and you know, so sex is a big deal. And that's the first thing I want to I say on here. It's we've been taught through secular education, um, certainly my secular education as a 15-year-old, that it's not it's not a big deal as long as we don't get pregnant or it's not a big deal as long as we don't get an STD, as long as you wear protection, as long as you wear a condom, like then, you know, and, but it has to be pretty powerful if human beings can be produced from it. Like, hang on a second, nothing else in life has this kind of power to create life. So now we're dealing with life and death. Like this is big. This is this is this carries weight. What mm. we're doing. Not even the angels can participate in in the privilege of creating life. The wow. Bible says so. The Bible says that human beings, like angels, marvel at us. They're gobsmacked by us. We're so special. We're so special that we we can create life as God Himself does. So first of all, the ability that to have sex and the fact that we're sexual beings makes us really special creatures, really special creatures. Um, and so the fact that we sort of reduce it, I guess, to a one night stand or a fling or even a boyfriend and girlfriend deal, you know, not, not having laid down our lives for one another is so wild to me because it is so much bigger and better than that. It's so much more. And so many people, I guess they accept they accept such a trivialized version. Yeah. And there and God says there is more. He's not trying to restrict you. He's trying to give you more. He wants to bless you. Like mm. that's what people don't get. He blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply. He actually wants to bless us and so unless we admit and I'm not trying to say people have to admit, but unless we do admit that sex is powerful and sexuality is a powerful thing, we're going to misuse it. And then some people are going to take that further and abuse it because we often abuse what we misuse. And we handle things differently when they're powerful, right? So we handle a bomb differently to to handling a beach ball, right? We handle fire differently to how we handle soil in the garden, you know, they're different substances and one is much more powerful than the other. And when something is powerful, it has the potential to be wonderful, but also dangerous, right? And so fire, if we look at our sexuality as fire, fire needs boundaries around it, okay? Or, mm. or you're going to get devastation. Yeah, It's going to burn things yeah. and it's going to burn people, all right? And fire is contagious and it gets out of control and it leaves a trail of devastation in its wake. And, and we've seen that across our nation even, you know, earlier this year, the power of fire when it is uncontained and when it is unrestricted and when it doesn't have boundaries around it. And, and so unguarded sexuality is no different to that um it has the potential to leave a trail of broken lives and broken hearts and and sometimes even broken bodies in its wake yeah and we've seen that rotten fruit produced across the earth today there's no denying it you just turn on the news it's there um but a fire within the boundaries of the fireplace 
Okay, it's guarded and it's limited. It's in the right context. Very it's good. restrained. It actually brings warmth and light and atmosphere and it blesses people. And so to those people who deconstruct their faith and say, I don't, I don't want, I think God's commands are restricting me. Well, actually they're putting you in your right context so that you are a blessing and not a harm yeah. to others. Because life yeah. is actually more than about me. Yeah. It's about others as well. Yeah. Right. And so the world sexual gospel reduces the the problem with the world sexual gospel is actually denies the power of sex. It says that sex isn't powerful enough. I'm yeah. saying that sex is more powerful than we think it is. Yes. It doesn't affirm sex enough. We're not ashamed by sex. We're we're affirming it. It's more powerful and wonderful than you think. And so what we do is we reduce reduce sex to a single dimensional experience right as in it's purely physical okay but sex is way more awesome and sacred than a one-dimensional experience and you know we sort of mentioned this that we're made in his image right and he's the trinity Mm. he's three in one which means that we are tri-dimensional beings right we're we're made in his image genesis 126 says let us make mankind or humankind in our image okay us being the trinity and we're made in that image so we are spirit soul and body yeah we are spirit soul and body which means that our sexuality is a tri-dimensional experience it involves our body and it involves our soul and it involves our spirit right and what the world does it reduces it yeah to the body Yes, exactly. Not every case, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Hollywood culture. I'm talking yeah. about, you know, yeah. reducing sex to a one-dimensional bodily experience. And it, and what that does is it separates sexuality from your soul and your spirit. And I'm telling you, that's just not possible. It's not possible right. to do that, whether we believe in this or not. Yeah. It's not possible yeah. to separate sex from the soul. And so that, so we're going to go into that in the next episode. We've got a couple of minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, can you believe how fast that goes? It's like over that 30 minutes. So I know, it goes so quick. I'm so used to, I've got my timer here so I can see. So yeah. if if we were, um, if you could wrap up this episode for us mm-hmm. before, because that is really powerful what you were just saying, that we handle something dangerous a lot differently. Like if we were holding a bomb, mm-hmm. you handle it differently. And this idea of sex being powerful and then next episode, we are going to go into, I'll tell everyone the title at the end because it will all make sense. We're going to go more into body, soul, spirit. So how do you kind of want to wrap this up today about the sexual gospel? What I would say is that unless you believe you have a soul, you're not going to want to listen to the next episode, you know, yeah. unless you believe you have a soul. I think most yeah. of us do, though, whether we are Christian or not, we we know there is something more to our external shell. But if you don't believe you have a soul and a spirit, um, you're only ever going to believe that sex and sexuality is a physical experience. But if you're willing to explore the fact that you have a soul, then we can start talking about being tridimensional. We can start talking about why and, and, and I think I think we all know we have a soul and we have a spirit because it explains why it hurts 
when we might have a one night stand and then don't get a call back and there's a part of us that hurts well why does it hurt why is it affecting my heart if it's just a physical experience and so Mm. I think because of the pain and the hurt that you know people feel associated with sex it reveals the fact that we have a soul and a spirit which reveals the fact that we're made in the image of God and so now if we can sort of acknowledge that we're made in the image of God we can go all right okay tell me about how this affects my body my body and my soul and my spirit how does it affect that and that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode but I just want to remind us as well that um again gospel means good news okay so it's it's good news for us it's not sexual condemnation it's not sexual commands it's not no it's sexual gospel it's like here's the good news about sex sex is good and god is good and this is a good way to do it (laughs) brilliant nikki thank you i can't wait to keep embarking on the next few um episodes with you so um and I'm even thinking I might even put two out a week I'll see how we go um but we're gonna um make sure you tune in to the next episode keep the lookout for when I might drop that because we are going to talk about how sex is like super glue and unfold that whole body soul and spirit so uh love to everyone listening and we'll see you all next week bye Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.